All right, guys, you're here with Josh Thompson, Punk's Opinion. I'm going to give you my cup, a little bit of breakdown on some of the topics that are coming up real quick uh, before we film a little bit later with Sammy for Sammy and the Punk. So you guys uh, hit that subscribe button uh, on our IGs, on our YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all those things. Go ahead and hit that up, and then um, you guys can get the follow-up content. I'll be dropping some more stuff as frequently as possible, talking about the latest top, hot topics. I'm going to be the more... Straight up and direct. Try not to be biased at all with you guys. I'm going to be as legit as I possibly can. Maybe it's not something you guys want to hear. But this is the sport. This is the game. In all the... In all... In all this, the landscape of all the fake news these days, let's try and keep it as real as we possibly can. So, uh, yeah, I may not um, deliver to you what you want to hear, but, you know... Um, Give it a follow. Give it a listen. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. All right, on iTunes, our iHeartRadio, those type of things. Spotify, SoundCloud. <clears throat> All right, look. Let's go over real quick over the Bellator stuff. Then we'll talk. I had a chance to talk with Andy Foster while I was at Bellator this last week in L.A. And let's talk about what he had to say also regarding the picograms and the fa and not really failed test. I guess you wouldn't call it a failed test. But um, <clears throat> I had a great opportunity to sit and chat with him. And... Let me and it kind of made it made more sense when I had an opportunity to chat with him and figure it out what he was saying. And let, I guess let's just talk about that right now since I'm on it. <clears throat> Is John Jones has been charged already. He's already been uh served apparently served his time. The the fact that his <clears throat> the fact that his suspension exceeded they gave him double the amount of time which was i think 17 months or something like that 18 months that he was um that he was supposed to serve now what they what there's a couple things that maybe people didn't know that i really didn't know all that well until right now and i heard it come out of andy foster's mouth himself was that california had this rule that if you were sanctioned by them or given a, a license for a year that that the that the suspension couldn't be longer than that since the license was only a year, which actually makes perfect sense. But what they were trying to get at was that they will start. There is a lot of talking conversations right now, not just amongst the California state athletic commission, but also the Nevada state athletic commission about potentially setting up the first, uh, a, a standard for steroiding testing for steroid testing, like on what the suspension will be across the board. So it'll be like New York, um, Chicago, like New York, Illinois, obviously the bigger cities walls and the bigger commissions will probably have to implement, implement them first. But what it sounds like is it sounds like they're going to go with a first law, a first time offense of being say like anywhere between 12 months to up to 18 months for a first time offense and possibly even looking at a second offense of being a lifetime ban. So all the guys that are out there potentially cheating or thinking about cheating, they're willing to say that, Hey, you made the mistake. <clears throat> Everyone believes in second chances. I myself believe in second chances. My, I got to be honest with you. A lot of my life has been given a second chance, and I and I, I take this um, take this very seriously when it comes to talking about people and giving them an opportunity to have a second chance at a life and doing things right. Um, in this, for instance, there is talk, I guess, apparently about a potential lifetime ban or even say up to a five year ban. 
um, for it. And there will be no, uh, I guess, with, with no chances of appeal if you are found um, found guilty on it. I mean, I don't know how well or how how easy that'll be to stick. And if there, but there is there there is some conversation about that. Now, given that John has already been tested positive for the picograms or whatever it was from before. Um, and now they're saying that he's already served his time for that. <clears throat> After talking with Andy Foster, what he was saying was that the reason why there was no nothing brought against him this time was wasn't so much because it's not like it's not like the double jeopardy thing. And he's already served his time. But for them to suspend him, they have to charge him with something. And if that's the only thing they had, that's like the double jeopardy thing. So they're they're saying that. Sure, he maybe failed again, but it was such a low amount that it would we would have to only even if we did we'd have to charge him for the same steroid twice, and then that's not really that fair. And and I understand, I kind of understand where they're coming from. They're saying that he's saying that he was on the phone with all these top scientists, and I, I do, and I kept explaining to him. I said, look, the where I come from, all right, where are my stances on this? Is that you, you, you. At some point in your career, you took steroids. You thought it was okay to cheat, and you thought it was okay to cheat using a, a PED, which is performance enhancing drug that would give you an edge over punching somebody in the face and doing more brain damage to them. So when I say that, when I when I say that I, I'm in big favor of potential lifetime bans. If you've been busted once, sure, I think you you get a second chance. I think everyone deserves a second chance. But if you do it again, you had your second chance. Now, as far as John Jones, I mean, he's obviously off the out of the cage and all these things. He's made some really questionable decisions. I mean, let's not let's not even talk about all the other stuff, you know, but let's just say outside of the cage, he's made very questionable decisions. But I think that <clears throat> look, if we white I think that the drug testing has gotten so good that we need to set a standard also for whatever was left in his system for years. And it only pops up when it's pulling it from the fat tissues because he's cutting weight. And, you're, and when you start to cut weight, your body has nothing to suck it from. So it starts pulling whatever it can from the fat cells. And then that's why they're able to, to locate, you know, the picograms of what, 30 or 33 picograms, I think is what he tested for this time. <clears throat> and, and so... I do, I do, the one thing that caught, caught my mind with when I was talking with Andy Foster was this, is that Andy's hands are tied because there's no new charge that he can charge him with. Because from all the scientists that he talked to about it is that it's the same um, steroid that has been pulled, or the same, um, what's it called, Trinobol, that is being pulled from his fat cells every time he cuts weight. And so that being said, by all the top scientists that apparently they're associated with um, have said that the testing has basically gotten so good that they're able to do that to that level. Now, we need to start thinking about uh, We need to start thinking about putting a guideline like, look, we cannot go lower than this. You know, like there's no reason for us to be testing for picograms. So the testing's gotten so good. We're getting to that level. Now it's going to cause doubt amongst anybody. They gets busted for picograms, even though it's not a, an actual amount of substance that can that can actually enhance your performance. But what it does do, though, is I think what it does do is it allows us to see exactly who has been cheating 
You know, people have been cheating for I don't know how long in this sport, basically since the sport had started. And it allows us to go ahead and see who has been cheating. But on that note, we shouldn't even bring it to press. We shouldn't even bring it to the eye of everyone for the world to know that <clears throat> that those levels have been um, that those levels have been noticed or verified, unless it's at a level that is performance enhancing. And, and, and I don't know. It's that's a slippery slope on when you're you're allowing the UFC, you're allowing USADA, you're allowing the commission to to basically hide information if that happens. And then, then then there becomes the conspiracy theories and all those other things that come along with it. But look, I'm all for right now. Like, you know, I'm very hard on people that have cheated. I'm extremely hard on them. I think that it's, um, you deserve a second chance on your first try. But I also think that we just don't know. Like once you've, once you've been busted for cheating, we just don't know how long you've been cheating. So I get, and I continue to give this, this example is that Vitor Belford was on the TRT and sure it was legal, but we knew what they were doing. We knew that they were overdoing it during camp. And then as it got closer to the fight, they basically had just dialed it back, you know, and then they weren't getting, you know, then they had, they were under the limits, under the legal limits to, to compete. <clears throat> but then you look at guys like Michael Bisbing who are going to walk around with, um, a life-changing eye injury for the rest of his life from that one fight. And I, I feel that there's too many things that go along with the use of the PEDs. And it's people are throwing around the term the GOAT with, with John Jones. Is he the GOAT? And people are throwing around with Anderson Silva. How can they be the GOATs when they have been known to cheat? Okay, and 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 I'm gonna continue to go on. I mean, like you know, even if I say Vitor, then who else? Who else? Who else can we talk about that has been busted for cheating? I mean, like there there are Silva Anderson. I'm saying Anderson Silva, but there's other guys also that have been busted for cheating. And but I feel like they cannot be in the goat conversation. I feel like there's there's certain guys, even though there was a tons of speculation about GSP and and all these other things with GSP, but he never was busted. He was never was caught. And I don't, I can't, I can't tell you that I still hold him as the goat or BJ Penn. Given, in, in people are gonna base, they're gonna criticize me for the BJ Penn comment. But the reason why I'm saying that is because he did something at a, at a time when, obviously, he's. You can tell by his body type, his whole career, he's never cheated. Uh, you can also tell by just the way he is, um, just when when it's brought up and mentioned, you know. Um, it's not there. And so when he when he had beat Matt Hughes, when Matt Hughes was considered to be the, you know, basically one of the best ever or was the was the greatest at the time. And <clears throat> I don't think you should have these conversations uh about the goat when there's when there's been performance enhancing drugs uh involved. I, I don't think th I, there should be asterisks next to their names. There should be all these other things that are involved with that conversation. You know, and so um it's it's hard. I think that now after talking with Andy Foster and the conversation that we've had that I've had with him, and just the discussion, he did he did make sense. He made sense to me, and we had a good, probably a good 30, 40 minute long conversation at the weigh-ins uh, before they started, and just getting in depth and getting into what it was all about or why he couldn't. He he had to bring a charge against him, and he couldn't charge him with anything because 
after talking with the scientists, after talking with uh, USADA, and after talking with the UFC and talking to all the other commissions, there's, it's, it was such a low dose that it was nothing that was going to actually enhance his performance. And then on top of that, though, is that you, for it to be effective, he had to bring him up on charges. He couldn't charge him with anything because it was the actual same. Um, it was the same uh, Torino ball, like microdoses or whatever, or whatever it was, uh, was called, uh, picograms that they, that they had discovered from before. And it was only being discovered when it came time to weigh-ins. So I, did, I was skewed a little bit. I was turned... Um, turned I kind of turned my opinion around on that okay I understand why you guys let him fight uh I do get that Andy Foster's hands are tied like if you're not if you have nothing new to charge him with you cannot charge him with uh the same thing in that circumstance given that there was no performance enhancing uh benefit now <clears throat> all that being said I do I am encouraged after talking with him about the potential of of um you know, a one-time offense and then a potential of so much of even bringing up a lifetime ban, um, those type of things. Because like I've said before in the past, we're not talking about hitting a baseball over a fence or dunking a basketball or slapping a puck. Okay. We're talking about punching people in the head or kicking them in the head or, you know, or picking them up and slamming them in on their heads. I mean, things like that. Those are the things that we're talking about that can cause some serious damage and life-altering damage. And Michael Bisping is living one of them with, with a serious eye injury that um, I'm, I'm surprised that he's even able to pass the eye exams to keep fighting. Um, it's noticeable. It's something that I'm sure he wakes up every day and he has to, he's learned how to, to live his life um, with, with this issue. And I don't think, I, I don't think, I think it's something that could have been avoided. And it was, it was a, <clears throat> was a glimpse it was a it was a blip i should say a blip in the sport that we shouldn't be proud of that we allow this to happen you know and um it's it's unfortunate but that's it's it's a learning curve we're still a very young sport i'm definitely encouraged by what the future holds for this sport i i loved uh all the things about this sport i feel i've said this i think before is that i feel like people talk about how sports have saved their lives and this sport came at the right time of my life to get me to live a lifestyle that I thought I would never have, you know? And so I, I am truly blessed and I know I rag on Dana White a lot. I know I rag on the UFC a lot because I feel like they, they, everyone knows they are the number, they are the top promotion. Okay. The biggest promotion uh, right now. The thing is, is that's why I, f I hold them to the highest regard that they should be setting a higher standard in certain situations. Now they're doing a great job. Okay, but this obviously along with all this stuff, when you're trying to to break new molds and do things, you're also um, you're also opening the door to to criticism. And they're doing they're they are doing things that are outside the norm. You know, when they started off offering uh, medical insurance for their fighters, um, I used it several times, and I'm I'm very thankful for it. <clears throat> uh, there was you know they, they they did the summit where they showed people. I mean, not that I ever had an issue with it, but they showed people how to use social media, encouraged people to use social media, talked about how, you know different ways of for guys to start filing their taxes and helping them you know get in touch with people that could help them get their their finances in line so they wouldn't end up as a broke fighter. <clears throat> those are all things that I think were very helpful for a lot of athletes. Not sure how much they utilized them and those tools, but I think it was something that out of that was forward thinking on their part 
I, you're just going to always run into these criticisms when you have somebody like, when you have things like this with John Jones going on, who's considered to be one of the best, if not the best to ever fight in step of foot in the, in the cage. Um, but then you've got guys like Anderson Silva, who's done the same thing and has been caught as well. You know, you have other athletes that are at the top of the chain that have been busted and they seem like Brock Lesnar and who were able to still fight and that it didn't get announced until after the fight. So, there's going to always be skepticism on the, the way that they handled their business, but it is their company. It is their business. And I do think that they are forward thinking in some, in some aspects. And, uh, anytime you're dealing with forward thinking people, then you're going to, you're going to take criticism from everyone. And, uh, you know, and I see the good in what some of the stuff they're doing, but I also see the negative in some of the stuff they're doing. I think also to the, that the athletic commissions need to be more, same thing goes for boxing. They need to be more serious and more severe on what goes on <clears throat> with the PED use in this sport. So that's just my two cents on this whole ordeal. Um, I'm excited to see John Jones fight again. We'll see exactly when that all comes. I think he's fighting what Anthony Smith, uh, what March? Yeah. UFC 230 in March. I mean, look, there's, I'm not. I'm not a fan personally of John Jones, but I'm more of, less of a fan of his because of the things he does outside the cage. Everyone can sit back and look at him and say, "Man, I, like that's fucking impressive." Everything he's done inside the cage has been absolutely impressive. But all those things, um, all those things said, that it's hard to root for someone uh, who has done the things he's done outside of the cage. Uh, definitely encouraged by. Hopefully, we see a change in him. I'm encouraged by his performance against Gus, <clears throat> given that the use or the picograms that came through was such a minute thing that it really, it really, uh, like after talking with Andy Foster and talk in talking with, you know, some other people that it really would be ridiculous to even consider it being brought up, I guess, as far as the picograms anymore. Okay. So anyways, let's talk um, Let's talk Bellator real quick. I'm going to just kind of brush over it a little bit because I'm going to talk about the key points of the, the things that I thought for the night and give you my opinion on those things. Now, as far as the overall scale of it all, like the fights and the promotion and, the, and, and all that, I'm going to get, Sammy and I will get into that here, you know, probably in about an hour or so. I'm going to film something and drop something with him as well. <clears throat> but my opinion on what I took away just strictly from Bellator 214 is is a couple things and there's not a lot and to be honest there's not a lot is <clears throat> we we saw a couple things from the beginning was the major thing was that Juan Archuleta is extremely tough he's an extremely great wrestler he is doing things that are very uh close to how TJ does it but TJ does it in a smaller space, a smaller circle. And what I think I would like to see out of Juan is the one thing I think was hurting him. And I was, it's so funny. I was listening to, um, I was, I was in my mind, I was watching the fight. As I was watching the fight, I'm thinking to myself, he's moving too much. I know he's in phenomenal shape. You know, he trains with Sam Calavita, who trains with, you know, T who, who trains TJ Dillashaw, Aaron Pico. And these guys are just in phenomenal shape, right? And there's the weight cut. He looked just shredded, both of them. Him and TJ both just looked shredded, you know. Uh, but when it came down to the fight, his movements are too big. His movements are too long. 
He's sure he's cutting the corner and stuff, and he's switching stances and doing that. But if you watch, and I don't want to compare him to TJ, but it's the best thing I can do is compare him to it. And the same thing goes for Dominic Cruz. When you're talking about that style, I feel like it's a Dominic Cruz style-esque uh, thing that they're using. Is they switch stance a lot, they dip their head a lot, they, you know, they punch kick off angles and they step and then they throw a punch off the side. They they do a wonderful job. But one, he spends too much time moving in bigger he's moving too much. He needs to stand his ground with his ability of his wrestling. He needs to stand his ground a little bit better and you know and and not try to rush his his combinations and his punches too much. I felt like as the fight went on, even though he's in phenomenal shape, you could tell there was moments where he looked tired from big exchanges for or from too much too much movement, too much bouncing around, too much almost I wouldn't say running, but it was a lot of a lot of movement, a lot of activity on the outside, especially on the outside when you were out of range. He wasn't in range for 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 stuff. He would kind of jump in to range to throw punches. And as he was jumping, he was throwing, but the punches didn't have a whole lot of power on him. And I, I figured it was mainly to set up his wrestling because he had such great success with his wrestling in the first round. Um, just flinging uh, Bendejas uh, all around in that first round. But you could tell in the second round that Juan had started to kind of slow down a little bit and Ricky was still there. And Ricky was just... Hitting the ground, popping back up, fighting hands, <clears throat> and back to fighting. I was very impressed with how composed Ricky Mendejas um, <clears throat> fought. I wouldn't say I had him winning the third round, and I I said the second round was a 50-50 round. <clears throat> the fact that the fight was 29-28 or whatever it was, I mean, like to me that was perfect scoring. I believe is what it was. One of the one one of the uh, judges I think had it 30-27. I think I believe two judges had it 29-28, if I recall. But that whole that whole fight, I thought, was a classic. A classic. It was something that people should look at and say, like, look, if we make a little tweak here, a little tweak there, dude, he's nasty good. Juan Archuleta is nasty good. You just got to make a tweak here and a tweak there, so he could sit down on his punches a little bit more and not not do so much movement when you're outside of the pocket. He's so far outside of the pocket that he didn't have to move around that much. And I felt like as the fight went on, he slowed down. And we know that that crew is known for just tip-top shape. Cub Swanson, TJ, I mean, you know, and Pico. These guys are just just animals when it comes to their conditioning, their cardio. But there was times where he was running when he didn't need to run. Like, he did not run, but he was moving on the outside so far out that he didn't need to do that. And I think as the fight went on, it started showing because even though... Ricky had got thrown around in the first round in the takedowns, was able to keep popping up. It made Juan start using a lot of energy. When they did break, Juan stepped to the outside and was moving around so much and not really sitting on his punch to really make Ricky fear a whole lot of what he was doing. So when the second round came and Juan started slowing down, it started opening up the ability, it started opening up what he was able to do, um, what Ricky was able to do. And he started landing some clean right hands, landed a couple good knees. I mean, you know, he had he had some good stuff. And I was I was I was impressed. The second round was a 50-50 round. That third round though, I gave it to Ricky all day long. And I thought it was it was a good fight. I thought overall Ricky just ran out of time because I think Juan started to slow down so much from so much movement that he just wasn't the same as he was. Didn't have the same power that he had in the first that he did. In, or in, he didn't have the same power in the third that he did in the first. And the strength and the power and putting it all back together. He was seemed like he was kind of forcing the wrestling and it didn't work all that well in that third round. 
<clears throat> I thought he did had some good points in the third round as well, but it just wasn't Ricky had, had, was gaining was kind of gaining steam as the fight went on. Ricky started a little slow in that in that first round. Uh, I tip my hat off to Juan. Great fight. I'd like to see him make a couple little tweaks because when you get in that five round fight against you know for for a title, which is I think is potentially next or maybe one more, is that um. Yeah, you're kind of a little bit in danger there, buddy. You're just a little bit in danger, especially against someone who's been there, you know, um, so many times, you know, uh, against the, the the champ that's there now. Or if you fight at 35, or if you fight the champ at 35, or if you fight the champ at 45. Either way. Um, yeah, that's that's my point on that for that Juan Archuleta fight. I mean, we're going to move into the, you know, obviously producer Dave's favorite guy here, you know, Jack H- or Jake Hager and Jack Swagger. Man, I was like t- tongue-tied all night with that. <laughs> I kept wanting to call him... Jack Swagger, you know, and uh, you should have called him Jack. He's yeah, try, he's no, we, to we get did, Jack we like. did, yeah, but we we want to make sure that people understand that he's Jake Hager. But then I also think there's something to do with the with the WWE name. Yeah, they, they own it. They but own it. He's trying to work with them to get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna give it to him, but we'll see. The, the good <laughs> Look, thing is, is they're acknowledging his career here. It seems like it. I yeah. saw. I mean, like, I had a bunch of pro wrestlers tweet me saying they were pissed that I said that it was fake blood in, in the WWE. Dude. They were mad. And I was watching you on the broadcast, and you were saying, like, let's see how he likes getting punched for real. I'm like, Josh has never freaking watched the WWE match in his life. Jack Swagger's flown off ladders and landed on his back. You don't do that in MMA, bro. You're right. You're right. You're right. And and blood's blood, regardless of whether yeah. it comes from a bl- razor blade to the forehead. or yeah, whether I don't know. How do they, How do they do that? They have it. They have it tucked or uh, somewhere, like either in their the tape they wear in their hands ah. or, or whatever, and they uh, they pull it, and then they like when they go down, they go ah, and then like they they slide the blade out. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Dude, just building up scar tissue. I don't get it. Uh, so I don't get it. Some of the guys' like, foreheads, man. Whoo. Yeah. From back in the day. Wow. The, the WWE doesn't allow it anymore, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's crazy. Man. Oh, they don't allow it anymore. WWE doesn't. No. <clears throat> I think it's smart. Um, okay, so look, let's talk about it. I was sitting at the table, the table with Frank Mir, and Frank's like, "Gosh, man, I'm re- I'm really not impressed. What's taking him so long? Like, you know, and this and that." And I'm like, "Dude, he's never fought. He's making, he's ma- he's fighting his debut on a huge card in L.A." I said, and he got the takedown. Took him a little while to get. Took him a second to get the takedown. Big guy was finally when he finally got the take. I got a little concerned there when he got dropped. Like he kind of like sat to his knee a little bit. Like he got lost his balance. But dude, he did great work, dude. He did great work. There was a couple times I wish they showed more. There was another time where he was trying to work on that Kimura, and I felt like it was there. All he had to do was just keep fighting for it. I felt like it was there. This was impressive, man. I was really impressed with his ability to do work on the ground. He was in a good half guard position, was trying to work the side choke, couldn't get the side choke. And then he went to the he went to the Kimura or was at the Kimura and then he went back to the side choke. I mean like I was very impressed. He had good work, good good plot, body placement, good weight placement over him. Disrepre- I mean, he did a good job. He closed the distance really well, got to the clinch. Let me see the replay again. There wasn't anything that he did um that technically, he, I don't feel like he did really a whole lot wrong. I mean, look, dude, it's his first fight, and he's fighting a guy that's a pretty good veteran. He's been around a little bit, you know. It's like, but he, he fought a good fight, dude. I mean, I was, I'm, I was pretty happy for him. I, I was expecting, I was expecting this. I didn't honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. I wasn't sure if he was gonna get hit, if he'd run the other way. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't sure if you know if he was gonna try to be a stand-up guy instead of a wrestler. 
because he was taller and you know and physically bigger. I wasn't sure if he was going to be like a semi shield because he was so tall. It's like push kicks and and wait for the guy to rush in and then maybe clinch him and take him down that way. You can tell this is what he wanted to do. Yeah, but he did a great job. He was working on that Kimura. He had that cross body weight pressure, trying to hit the Kimura. Couldn't get the Kimura. Went right to the side choke. Was able to get to the side choke and just put his weight down and beautiful finish, man. The one thing I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, Jack Swagger a little criticism right here. And, it, and you could tell, and it's it's happened before, is it's that in their post-fight interviews, they try, like, it's they, they're expecting the reaction they're going to get out of WWE people, and it's not that. So when he yells into the microphone, and it just kind of is, it's like crickets, and it, it kind of hurts a little bit. He lost his fit a little bit, like, when he was like, I'm going to be doing this for decades yeah and, I, and i'm like all right bro you're 36 year old Come yeah you're 36 <laughs> when he said deck yeah i was like uh but i mean look there's there's a lot man there, there, there's a, i mean look there's a lot to work with i was very impressed with his performance he fought a guy who had several fights you know and he's been around and so it, it, it was good i I'm, I'm actually i'm more encouraged the other thing though too is that we they did give him someone so they could try to build him up they did a good job, man. They did a great job. So the fact that uh, why does it say he lost? Hmm? Oh, it looked like that he said he lost. JW Kaiser lost. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I was. What's his record? Uh, it says on two, but he was saying on interviews that he's got like fifty fights. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. That. It's so funny. But yeah. Sherdog says he's on two. This is this is so funny. We were in the back, and he was interviewing with me. Frank Mir, big John McCarthy, who's been around since UFC three. We're two or three, I think three. And he's like, Oh yeah, you know the Wild Wild West days, you know, in two thousand seven. We all looked at each other like, What the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, dude, Wild Wild West days was like we would I would drive like two hours, you know, say like somewhere in Montana or somewhere down by Boise, somewhere in Washington, and we'd fight on some <clears throat> high school gymnasium or some fairgrounds or something like that. You would just show up and weigh in and they'd say, okay, you're 160 pounds. Okay. That guy over there is 190. You guys want to fight? And you'd be like, yeah, sure. That's the only way you got paid. That's what it was like back then. But they didn't count on records or anything? No, no. I was like, okay, like, you know, they said, who do you train with? Okay. Who do you train with? And that's how, that's how things were made, man. (laughs) Back in the day. Yeah, you get like random calls. Hey, do you have anybody there that's, you know, can fight at 155 pounds? Can you fly tomorrow? And then you'll fight on Saturday. Like it's it's Thursday night. You know, and they're like, Hey, do you have someone that can fight, you know, Saturday night down here in Boise? And we're like, Yeah, how much? 150 bucks. We'll pay you. You will buy your airfare, we'll put you in a hotel and pay 150 bucks. Isn't it crazy how it costs how it costs them more to accommodate you than it does? Well back then, yeah. Yeah, but it's crazy like you're flying on their dime, right? But you're staying you're staying overnight on their dime. You travel. You're well, like, a lot of promotions like back then. The promotions didn't do that. I mean, some promotions did, but um, a lot of promotions would say, "Hey, we're having a fight. Whoever shows up will match you guys and we'll fight you." <coughs> and they would just invite a ton of local gyms. You know, so I mean, overall, my overall take on that is I was very uh, encouraged. Um. Okay, but let's let's get into like what everybody wants. This the last two fights. Everybody wants to talk about this. I'll give you my take on it. And 
It's Aaron Pico Henry Corrales. <coughs> I said this already a little bit um when we were when we were doing the uh, analyst work at the desk. <coughs> you have a wrestler who <coughs> who spars too much with pro boxers. And this right here is what happens when you think it's just a boxing match. I love Aaron Pico. We've had him on the show. I love everything about him. He's a great kid, great person. <coughs> but anybody will tell you that fighting is just not about how tough you are. It's how smart you can be in the cage. Okay? <clears throat> and I'll give you an, ex an example. GSP is not the toughest guy to ever walk into that cage. He's just one of the smartest fighters that's ever walked into the cage. <coughs> and that being said, Aaron Pico, I don't know if it's because he's young or because he spent so much time boxing. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. <coughs> Is that it's affecting, I don't know if he's trying to be the tough guy that can just stand and do the exchanges and, <coughs> and get in there and get after it like a boxer would. But you can't go through your career trying to always be the tougher guy because you're going to end up, it's going to end up like that. You're going to get caught. You're going to get, you're going to leave your defense down, whatever it is you're going to do. Whether, whether if you're just going to only do one thing, that is not the way to do it. And I feel like he's fallen in love with the boxing mentality. I feel like he's fallen in love with the fact that he knows how to knock people out. He's got big hands. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you guys, for instance, and I'm talking about, you know, one of my closest friends, which is uh, Gray Maynard. You have a top-notch, <clears throat> I feel like one of the, could have been one of the best wrestlers in the game, period. And, <clears throat> and it's just, it's not, it, he just fell in love with his power. He just wanted to always stand and bang. And there was no reason for it. His wrestling was so good. And it, <clears throat> I would have loved to have seen him work more on his actual ground and pound because his wrestling was so good. And the, how strong he was, how physically strong that Gray Maynard was, is just nasty. I've, I've never had somebody grab a hold of me like him <clears throat> and just physically was that strong. Now, there's a difference between him and Khabib. Khabib's wrestling and his wrestling, but I think actual grip strength and, and grabbing hold of me, to me it was gray. With Khabib, it was the positioning and the weight. Like when I trained with Khabib, Khabib was always coming in a little bit heavier. Gray was always kind of walking around a little bit heavier than me, but not too much, like 178, one, you know, somewhere around 180. <clears throat> gray wasn't a tall guy, so that he was short and stocky with, you know, a lot of muscle. Khabib is physically a big guy he's like my size but he's got thick legs thick ass like thick like his waistline's real big <clears throat> broad shoulders that whole deal so I, th I think when you have someone like pico who is he just needs to figure he needs to put the two things together he hasn't figured that out all the questions that i had going into this fight he hasn't answered him. He hasn't answered the fact that like he doesn't know how to box and wrestle together. He doesn't know how to box and knee and clinch together. He doesn't know how to do those things. 
He like holding the head and dirty boxing is good, but you can't get carried away with it and standing in that boxing range. You see how like if you go back, can you watch this? I'm hit this replay. I'm watching the replay. He's holding Corrales' head, but there's so much space in there between their heads. They're not head to head. They've got each other's heads. <clears throat> but his, both their hips are back. Both of them are giving space to knee and clinch. <coughs> and all of this, and it's just, it was too much space, too much gap. Brandy Couture would dirty box you, but he was in so close. Like he, he was almost like hips to hip. Like, I don't understand why, why this isn't something, if you like to stand that much, you have to understand that boxing and MMA boxing is completely different. And he just left himself wide open for <clears throat> for that for that uh for that headshot. You can't keep going to the body, keep going to the body. There was never a moment where he even went back upstairs to the head. And it ended up costing fight. He left his chin wide open. <clears throat> Man, I'm dying over here. Jesus, I was gonna own me, you know? Yeah, I was gonna I need to get some water. water. Yeah, so grab me. <clears throat> yeah, you grab me a water. And <clears throat> all the questions that I wanted answered, none of them were answered. Like he hasn't changed, he hasn't made any changes. He hasn't and people are talking about him going to the next level. You can't go to the next level until you make these changes. And the sad thing is, is he's he went into the into the post fight interview and was talking about like, oh, I feel bad for the person who's gonna fight me next. I don't. Like th you've laid the groundwork on what you do every time. And Pico, you're my boy, but you're giving people like the the floor plan how to get to you and it's it's upsetting because there's no changes and when i was talking to you in the fighter interview thank you when i was talking to him in the fighter interview and i was talking to his his camp they talked about oh he's gonna wrestle more i mean you train with juan archuleta you train with tj dillashaw like you gotta take a page out of their book man the way that they make those exchanges they punch, punch, boom, step on in. They switch their stance. I'm not saying you need to be a, someone who switches their stance. What I'm saying is that you need to learn how to punch and close the distance for your wrestling. This was a perfect fight opportunity for you to take Corrales down, press him, you know, press him against the fence or in the open field, and do some groundwork. Let's do some ground and pound. Let's, you know, let's work on passing the guard. Let's, let's do some work, man. Let's take some steam off of Corrales' punches. We know you're physically, we know you're physically, um, <clears throat> we know you're physically like probably one of the best uh, conditioned athletes in the sport. There's no doubt about it. I have no doubts that you're in phenomenal shape. There's no doubts about it at all. But I think that also too, when I talk with Gray Maynard in the same problem, Gray's like, oh, I was always sparring with, with pro boxers and doing really well with them. Dude, this is not boxing. Boxing, you can just roll your your mid up to your to your hand. You got to remember the glove is twice as big at one forty five. It's twice as big. So we have four ounce gloves. You're spar you're sparring, you're fighting with eight ounce gloves. Plus, when you're sparring with guys like Miguel Cotto and you're sparring, I've sparred with Robert the Ghost Guerrero. I've sparred with uh, Ricardo Pinal. I've sparred with good good boxers, and it's a different story. You're like sure they can still hit you. They can still hit you clean, but that's all angles. And the reason why. The reason why I think MMA guys get a false sense of confidence when they spar with pro boxers is because we're using 16-ounce gloves with them. We're not, um, we're not using, we're not using MMA gloves when we spar with them. We're not using 8-ounce gloves or 10-ounce gloves when we spar with them. 
We're using gloves that are 16 ounces. I mean, that's four times as big as the ones that we're wearing. That's insane. Like to think that we're like, this is a different game. The stand-up game is different in MMA than it is in boxing. And those of you guys sparring with <clears throat> those of you guys sparring with pro boxers, I think it's good. It's good to get in there and get gritty and get after. I think it's wonderful for that. But <clears throat> it can't be your only thing. It can't be the only thing that you do. You can't I know I'm dying. I'm freaking dying over here, man. I've had oh I've had like a cough and a congestion all week when I was doing the the desk also. And so after talking with Gray, Gray was saying the same thing. Gray was saying that he spent a little bit too much time boxing with pro boxers. He liked it, he enjoyed it. It gave him a sense of confidence, but when it came to the fight, it just wasn't the same. It's not the same. You're, you're, it's not the same fight. The other thing as well is that nine times out of ten, when you're sparring with those guys, like I would spar four rounds, five rounds with Robert Guerrero, you're like their warm up rounds. Boxer, like when you're sparring the first the first set of rounds with them, those are warm up rounds. That's like when they're just getting into the rhythm. They don't actually start fighting hard until the fifth and sixth round. In a real fight, you know, like, and we're talking about, and not to steal, like, I'm going to steal right now from Allen Iverson, but we're talking about practice. <laughs> Don't, we're, we're talking about practice right now. Pico's saying, like, oh, I've sparred with Miguel Cotto. Dude, we're talking about practice. Sure, maybe you do well with with uh, Cotto, but let's be real. Eight-ounce gloves or 10-ounce gloves and you're a real fight, I love you. I love you. I love I love watching Pico fight. I love everything about him. I think he's a young the youngest was going to be the youngest top best prospect and could still potentially be. But you got to reevaluate how you approach this sport. Something's got to change. You can't you can't keep doing what you're doing. You're too young of a talent to keep doing what you're doing. It's not working. You've got to make the change from punching to wrestling to back to punching. All I saw in your warm-up was you were doing a lot of kneeing, a lot of kicking. I was expecting to see more of that. But when you got out there and fought, it wasn't there. It just wasn't. It, you didn't do it. You threw one knee, but you couldn't do the two things. You're not rolling your shoulder and shoulder popping them at all. You're not You're not bumping them with your shoulder. You're not, like, you're not putting your head underneath their chin to, to grind them out. Like You're not pressing them to the fence. There's a reason why fighters fight. Like the MMA guys fight the way they do. They punch, clinch, they press them in the fence. Is because it's safety. We want a long career in this sport. We want to be able to make money for a long time. Knockouts like that, you're not going to have a long career. And the fact that if you if you, if you play this a little bit longer, as soon as he gets clipped and goes down, he's out, out. His head bounces off the canvas two more times. One time real hard. Boom, boom. And then he, then he gets followed up on. I mean, I'm simply saying that I'm simply saying one, one, two, and then the hit. You know what I mean? Like he, his head bounces twice off that canvas, and then Corrales grazes him or hits him again with another hand, another punch. After that, it just you got to make the change. You got to make the change. I mean, I'm all for what he did right there. Like where he dropped Corrales, he kind of rushed in, stayed composed. Corrales tried to come up on the leg, and he kept trying to hit the uppercuts a little bit. That's fine. There's not a lot of danger there. When you get up and you're holding each other's heads and you're basically just saying like it's a fucking pissing match. 
Who can land who first? And you just kept going to the body. You kept going to the body. You fell in love with your power. You fell in love with the body shot knockouts that you had from before. You thought it was going to work again. Not a, you know, it doesn't always happen, man. You got you got to change it up. You hit him three times to the body, and they didn't do anything. Go to the head or clinch him, grab him, wrestle him. You have all those abilities to do that. And I mean, like I'm going hard on the paint on you because you're the one that has so much. You have so much to gain and so much, there's so much there for you. This this sport could be, you could be in this sport for a long time, but you won't be if you keep fighting like that. And that's the, that's, that's, that's the honest truth. And I'm giving you, I'm not just giving you my opinion, but you can't afford to fight that way. You know, I'm telling you, I'm giving you facts right now. If you, if you keep fighting this way, you're not going to have a long career. You know, and it's sad to see because you have all the you have all the attributes, you have the sky's the limit for you, and you have all the potential to do it. But <clears throat> I, I hate seeing I hate seeing you fight, you know, like that. I know that you have the boxing in you, move the head movement, but you got to focus more on being defensive with little gloves. And uh, it's got it's got to be there, man. It's got you got to fix you got to fix that. I don't know if it's something you got to work with with your coaches, or I don't know if it's maybe something you do in the gym. But then when you get in the fight and you change it up. You got to carry over whatever you did in the gym. You got to keep doing it. Anyways, that's my take. That's my take uh, on the Corrales and Henry or the Corrales and uh, Pico fight. My punk's opinion. Like, let's talk, and then we'll obviously we'll talk the Fedor and Ryan Bader fight. <coughs> um. <coughs> Just to give you, I'm, I'm going to sum this up really quick. <clears throat> this one's going to be a lot quicker than the Pico one. <clears throat> but it's going to roll me into something else that I want to talk about as well. The <clears throat> Fedor didn't even throw a punch. The whole fight was was done quick. Fedor didn't even throw a punch. Just never felt comfortable. I think the fact that Bader was like flossing in and out. Stayed composed. I was. I think he was just waiting for that one moment to, to explode. But everyone that watched it, the fight, the punch was not a hard punch. 42 years old, just caught it right on the button. The follow-up punch was nasty. <clears throat> yeah, it was nasty. That was a nasty, nasty punch. Um, I mean, it wasn't a hard punch. And it wasn't like, boom, he like was still awake when he hit the ground. He hit the ground. I want to say his head bounced off the canvas, too, when he hit the ground. He hit, but his body went limp. It wasn't like, boom. Okay, he was still there and just kind of sat to his butt and was going to try to react. He, he kind of came back up a little bit, though. Look, It looks like he's No, it, that was more like his body tensed. Almost like almost like he was having a seizure for a split second. Oh, really? See? Yeah. He hit, and he hit, and he rolled up. And I'm a huge Fedor fan. And I, I, grew up, I grew up watching him, man. I enjoyed every fight he was ever in. I love watching that guy fight. I just, it's time. It's just there's no there's no way around it. It's time. I mean, even even Frank Frank Mir was saying like, he's like it just happened so easy when I went out there and I grazed him. He was all wobbled. He's like, oh dude, I'm just gonna just keep this thing standing, and then it can end that quick though, like it did with Frank. But Bader, you know, the fight wasn't stopped. Bader jumped in, hit him with a clean shot, and just a walk off. You know, um, Fader didn't really he didn't get a chance to get in the fight. The fight was done before it started. You know, I, I tip my hat to Ryan Bader. Great performance. Um, 
I, I said it. For, I said it like in the in the in a bunch of interviews that I did, <clears throat> and I, I think I said it last. This fight wasn't going to ever go past a minute and a half. It's either someone's getting knocked out, and I was leaning towards Bader knocking out Fedor. Inside of me, I was like, "Oh man, you'd love to see Fedor, you know, go out on a you know on a win, big tournament." This, but then I don't think he would have retired. Because I think even now, after he after he fought, he said, now it's more than ever creeping up on him and maybe it's time to retire. Dude, you got grazed. You got grazed and you got sad. And I'm a huge fan, but you got to start thinking about life after fighting. I don't know what the deal is, but I don't know. And then here's the thing. Some of the remarks from, from Scott Coker kind of has me, kind of has me a little like, like they may not be in the Fedor business anymore. Because I think the remarks by Scott was, <clears throat> Fedor doesn't have anything else to prove. He's already the greatest of all time. You know, the heavyweight, the greatest heavyweight of all time. He has nothing more to prove. And when 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 promoters start speaking like that, like you heard Dana say that about like Chuck, you know, back in the day, a little bit, I think with Rich Franklin. When you start getting to that point, and you hear the promoter saying that, you can tell that they're kind of thinking like. All right, it might be time for this, you know, for this person to hang it up. They don't want to be the one where you. you I, I don't think all promoters want to be the ones that that <clears throat> that ride a guy to where it's it's it, it's not it's not it's not fun to watch fight anymore. You know, somebody that's a legend, and we're we're coming up on that a little bit. <clears throat> and I think because I think because. It was great that he got to the finals. <clears throat> I thought he fought amazing to get to the finals. And both those fights were inside the first round. Uh, but Ryan Bader right now is just a different animal. His confidence is high. He's the 205-pound champ. He's the, the heavyweight uh, <clears throat> Grand Prix champ, plus the heavyweight champ now. Wait, I, so, uh, so I, I'm, I was confused on the two-belt thing. Why does he get two belts? Because one belt is for the heavyweight championship. And then Scott gives out for the actual tournament. He gave him a, a Grand Prix belt. Like mm. they gave it to DC also. Oh, did like they? Like when when it was Strike uh, Force. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. So he was the. DC was the I believe he was the heavyweight champ and the Grand Prix champ. So the the welterweights will get one as well, but it's so it's not like it's a tournament champion where the welterweight. That is a tournament champion. That's what I'm saying. It's a grand. It's the Grand Prix welterweight tournament. So he'll get a Grand Prix championship belt, and then that the title's involved in it. So whoever wins the Grand Prix will be the champion because the champ, mm. the title goes along with it. So you'll get two belts. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it is. I think it's cool. I think it's nice. I mean, they should you do know, so, they should do something different for the for the tournament. Like well, a, the other like promotion, the the other the UFC. Chain. What they're doing is they're taking away belts. You only get one belt now with just your name put on it. And then you get the red the red ruby. The red ruby. Every time you retain the title, <clears throat> that doesn't make it. I don't know. I, I guess to me, it'd be real, it'd be a lot more cool if I had like a a case filled with belts that you won versus one belt in there with like, oh look, hey, I thought you won it multiple times. Yeah, you see those little tiny rubies across there, the room. You see that? That means how many times? I, oh, really? That's it? Okay, that's all. You're fighting for a ruby, but it, but it makes it makes it more exciting to want to fight for more weight classes for more belts and then <clears throat> and then defend each belt and each weight class <clears throat> as many times you can do you get to keep that belt that's what i want to know keep like, what belt? like does that belt leave you 
Once you nah, lose it, nah. you get to keep it. It's a, I, it wouldn't make sense. There's a lot of things I got to look into with the new belt. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's ugly. <laughs> I, like I think it. it's ugly. I like it. At first, I first looked at it, I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, then I thought it was like, is that a real belt though? Or what are they doing with it? I, it almost, it looks like something you would see in, in a superheroes movie. One thing I think is silly is that they, they only chose the eight, the first eight countries they competed in for each because there's eight sides of the octagon. I think that's kind of silly. It's kind of like neglecting other countries. Ooh, yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it has eight countries on there. Yeah. I, they, they have like the whole breakdown of why they, why they did yeah. what they did on everything. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And then also with the diamonds, right? Those three. Yeah, that's a, that's six, a little bit racist, nine. man. That's a little bit racist. Discri- more discrimin- discriminatory than yeah, racist. Yeah, they're discriminating against other countries. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I'm but, just kidding. But what happens if you defend it more than the number of mm-hmm. diamonds that are on here? That's what I was wondering. Do you get a second belt within? Well, I think what is it? I think if you have to defend it more than eight times, right? <clears throat> uh, three, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Oh wow, that's twenty-six. Probably, yeah, twenty-six yeah. times. No one's doing that. Yeah. No one's doing that. Yeah, right. Well. But then they say they're putting they're, they're etching someone's name in it, right? No, they don't. No, they, I thought they were saying they etched the name in it on how many on who how many people have owned it from before. Oh, really? Yeah. I, don't I thought so. so. There's no space for that. <clears throat> they have the original logo on the side, they have the the last era logo on the side and in the oh, I thought somewhere in, I I know in the Bellator one they they etched whoever's won it. On the Grand Prix, oh yeah, it's the, gonna be the on Grand there. Prix one for sure. That's yeah, the, they have the, they have it on um, Bader's. Like you know how these parts right here, see right there. That's mm-hmm. that's the names. That's the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. Names right there. Yeah, I so, saw it. I saw it. Yep. You saw it up close and personal. Yeah, yeah. Lucky bastard. Yeah, it's nice, man. It's really nice. It's really nice. They, except they didn't put diamonds on the tournament one. They only put diamonds on the championship, mm-hmm. the weight class championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. They're not real rubies. They're not real diamonds. They're not real. <laughs> you don't think so? No, they're not. Come on, bro. You need to be. Come on, bro. You need to be more optimistic. Come than on, that. bro. They're not. Let's be real, guys. <laughs> All right, but the the other, the other thing I want to talk about with this is because <clears throat> you had brought up earlier. Were you did you bring it up earlier, or were we off? We're not jump filming. Pitch. We weren't filming. The Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, we, about we acknowledging how they this if there was ever going to be a time when they did a cross promotion. Of two heavyweights being champ, champ, this would be the time. Yeah. Ryan Bader versus DC, <clears throat> and and I'm just, I would love for it to happen. I would love for it to happen. It puts me in a really awkward position. <laughs> it does, because <laughs> I'm, you know, obviously I train with DC, and DC's my boy. I know Bader very well, but also <clears throat> we also share like mutual sponsors, and you know we've done autograph signings and appearances and things like that together. Um. Any, any, any fights for Bellator. So it's it, it puts me in a really awkward situation. But I think if there was going to be a moment that would to do it, this would be a good moment to do it. That being said, it won't happen. Because like Joe Rogan said, they would have to acknowledge that Bellator exists. And they haven't really been trying. They've been, they've been, they haven't done that yet. They're not, they're not doing that. They're not, very rarely do I hear them bring up, see back in the day, Danny used to take jabs at Strikeforce all the time, you know, and. Like uh, he would mention them? Yeah, he would mention them and take jabs at them, yeah. you know, but now, right now, he doesn't bring up Bellator. 
He, I don't. Yeah, I don't, he, he does not talk. Yeah, I don't hear him. I don't hear him. I don't. <clears throat> I think what they're trying to do is just not even acknowledge them right now. The only and, time he ever brought Bellator was when someone asked him about Connor jumping in the cage and hitting the referee. My, yeah, uh, was Mark Goddard. Yeah, yeah. So any any glossed over the Bellator part and focused more on Connor getting in trouble. Yeah. You know? And then somebody asked him, what was it somebody asked him recently? Oh, somebody, no, they just asked him about Kobe. Did you see that with the post fight where, um, the, the last post fight where it was the ESPN one, they asked him, hey, um, will you release Kobe if that's what he wants? And then I just said no and got up and walked away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. I told you that. <laughs> He's too good of a talking mouthpiece to let him go. <clears throat> yeah, he... Oh, uh, there's your boy. There's your boy. Um, all right. So, but yeah, the the fight that the fight that you want to open that. Yeah, do you want to? yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the fight that should happen. The fight that it would potentially be DC and Bader, and I don't know if that fight's gonna ever happen. Um, but if there was a moment for them to do it, it'd be this moment right now. So, all right, guys. Well, I'm gonna wrap this up. You're here with Punk's opinion, and I, Sammy, and I are about ready to drop a load and uh, and throw this down. So we will be. Letting these all run. All right, my man. I will make sure you hit the subscribe button on Sammy and the Punk. Hit the subscribe button on our iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, all that. All right, guys.